Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now, if you will, turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 1. We want to begin to move toward what the Bible calls the incarnation. Everybody say incarnation. Incarnation. Now, that's not reincarnation. That's the word incarnation, which literally means clothing with flesh. And that is the, the seed that was promised unto Abraham, that through Abraham and, and through actually all the way back to Genesis 3.15, the redemptive word of God became flesh. Amen? Now, now, you know, I, I think sometimes people think that these things are so deep and so mysterious and really not worth delving into because the current problem of the day demands reaction instead of some deep subject, you know, which reveals how Jesus got here. But in reality, everything that is said through the redemptive process are principles that help you to receive from God. Because God built into every revelation that he used to get Jesus to the earth and get redemption completed. Everything he used, he used as a principle to be applied to our lives. Amen? Standing on the word of God. Now, stay there in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read some scriptures. Number one, Genesis Genesis 3, 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Speaking of the first redemptive scripture. Now, throughout the Bible, we studied, we looked at Abraham, different things like that. Another scripture, though, in Deuteronomy, this would be during the, 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 the time in which Israel was in the wilderness. God is giving instruction on prophets in the land giving us revelation on how to judge a prophet. Now, let me say this. An Old Testament prophet and a New Testament prophet is not the same thing. Because a lot of people today, especially if you get on the Internet or you watch a lot of Christian TV, you'll see a lot of people that are what I call self-proclaimed prophets. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to give guidance or direction to the church or to the body of Christ. Well, that's not the job of the prophet anymore. That was the job of the prophet back under the Old Covenant. And we'll, we'll refer to many of the types and shadows of the Old Covenant as we dig into the New Covenant. But under the Old Covenant, the, the guidance of the nation and many times the guidance of the leaders of the nation was put in the hands of the prophets. But in Christ, it's not like that. You say, why? Because we got a different guidance system. And it's on the inside. And God didn't entrust us to a prophet. He entrusted us to himself in the person of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But he says here in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 18 and verse 15, uh, uh, it says, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren like unto me, and unto him ye shall hearken. Now this is Moses speaking unto Israel saying this. Now, if he says he's going to raise up a prophet like unto me, what kind or what would you describe Moses? What was his primary ministry? His ministry was to bring them out of Egypt. Well, the primary ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is to bring us out of the world. Bring us out, bring us out of, now listen, bring us out of what we've studied, the fall, the effects of the fall. Now understand this, when sin got into man and spiritual death got into man, in that vacuum, amen. Now you'll understand this as we continue to teach. In that vacuum, all this other crud came in. That's the kindest word I can use. 
You say, what do you mean by that? Well, yeah, everything from sickness and disease and addiction and prejudice and hate and war, you name it, all of the, of the filth and the garbage and the, and the things that make the earth and, and, the, and the people in the earth suffer and create pain. That which the enemy uses to implement his ministry, to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. Well, thank God God came. And as he brought the remedy of that to the earth, this process that he used called redemption, in this process, he swept up all of the world, for God so loved the world, swept up all of the world in a potential of breaking eternal death upon mankind and taking care of those things that fell into that vacuum. Now, let me say this. This will help you. Death is the absence of life. Life is not a place in where, in where death does not exist. Life, life is always, let me say it like this, darkness has no material to it. Did you know light does? Did you know light has a material to it? That there is actually a, a molecular composition that gives light a classification in the material realm. All darkness is is the absence of light. Amen. All death is, is the absence of life. Some of you are believing God for healing. We pray for you every time we get together. We pray for people that are fighting what they call life diseases, diseases that doctors and stuff tell you got to live with all your life. Well, here's the thing. Sickness and disease is the absence of health. See, we look at sickness and disease as the substance, but it's not the substance. Faith is the substance. Faith is the materiality. So what the substance is, is the healing power of God, and sickness and disease is an absence of that healing power. So through redemption by faith, these scriptures are beginning to take hold on the inside of us and build a foundation of the Word of God that creates an undeniable faith on the inside of you. Helps you walk in that anointing and that power of God in which, listen, it's not that you're not going to ever go through anything again. It's that you'll go through it with power. And, listen, and, and as a conqueror, not trying to gain some victory, but taking the victory you already have in Christ and using it against the devil. Amen? Amen? Now, man, this is hard to do. Uh, in Joshua, you don't have to go there. Joshua chapter 5, the, the, Joshua had an encounter with someone called uh, the captain of the host of the Lord. And we know he was not an angel because Joshua fell and worshipped him. And we don't know, they didn't worship in that covenant. We don't in this covenant. So it had to be the pre-incarnate word of God, the captain of the host of the Lord. Who was that fourth man in the fire? Nebuchadnezzar, who was not a born-again man, knew nothing of spiritual things, looked into the fire and said, I see a fourth likened to the Son of God. How would he know that? Because he was walking around in the fire. <laughs> Amen. I mean, they heated that sucker up seven times hotter than any man can stand. It killed the guard that threw him in the threw him in the fire, and they're in there just walking around. And the Bible says, not even the smell of smoke got on. And some of you are worrying about how you're going to pay your light bill. Come on, man. You serve God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Then you get into the Psalms. My goodness. Job, he had a tremendous revelation. He said, there's no umpire. There's no daysman. There's no one to put his hand upon God himself and lay his hand upon me. There's no one to stand between us. He recognized the dilemma of mankind without a redeemer. 
Amen? Thank God, thank God he did because that shows us the need, the need that we have. Thank God when we see the need, we see the answer. In Christ, when you see the need, you see the answer. Then you get into the book of Psalms, my goodness. Uh, Psalms 22, a complete depiction of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalms 23 starts with what? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. All through the book of Psalms, Psalms 110, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. I'm telling you, all throughout Psalms is this tremendous messianic presentation of the glory of God that was to come for them. And they got all excited over that and ran a nation with its power and were a people under its covenant. Whoa. You know, aren't you amazed how Israel is treated, how they respond, and how they just can't, it just seems like nobody in the world can defeat them. Nobody can. They're God's servants upon the earth. God has a covenant in blood with them through the servant through the servant Abraham. There's Abrahamic covenant. There's the Mosaic covenant, and there's also David's covenant. Or, or how do they call it? The it's always hard for me to say it. The, the anyway. Need to get my tr- tongue trimmed, like Granny Clampett used to say. You just need a good trimming on your tongue. You'll quit stuttering like that. Amen. Then we get into the prophetic books. Isaiah. He was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. Who shall believe our report? I mean, all through, all through the major prophets, the minor prophets, this word, this word, this word, this word, this word, it just kept going forth. It just kept going forth. And they believed that word looking forward to an event that would happen and drew off of its power. Pulled off of its power. Pulled off of its power. Now we have been empowered by what they believe and we want powerless on the earth? No. No. Not at all. So then we get to Luke chapter 1. Now there's all kinds of historical things I could bring up. Different things about the tabernacle, the temple that was built, the sacrifices over and over and over, their signification, the feast days. Their signification, all types and shadows. I like something Brother Kenneth E. Hagin said. He said, you know, we can mention these things from the Word of God in our teaching, but it's better if you've got the light to stick with the light than it is to with, the, with the shadow. He said, you can see more in the light. So we do understand that there was an old covenant, a covenant that God has described, something that he has folded up and put away. Jesus said he did not to do, didn't come to do away with it, but he came to complete it. He came to complete it. Amen. And in that covenant, even throughout that covenant, we saw men in that covenant that tasted of the powers or of a covenant that was to come. Moses, it looked like to me that Moses had a New Testament relationship with God. It looked to me like David had a New Testament. He went into the altar and fell on the horns of the altar. Should have died right there in the presence of God. But the Bible says David found grace in the eyes of God. You know what he was doing? He was repenting, getting his heart right. But then we come to this drama in Luke chapter 1. They call 400 years from the time in which they believe Malachi was written to the time in which we have this encounter 
with an angel, a man named Zacharias, and then a second encounter with a young virgin girl named Mary. In that 400-year period, even though they call them the quiet years, in which, in which there was no uh, prophetic word or a word of logos written that would be canonized as Scripture, God was working. God was moving. The two major nations that were world rulers, one left a language that would become a common language spoken in the Middle East, the Greeks, and the other built roads over the entire known world that the apostles and prophets of the New Testament walked on to evangelize the world. God was working. God was moving. But then you've got this great volume of revelation that lies within the Old Covenant. And this encounter that begins in Luke chapter 1. Now go there real quick. We'll look at it for a few minutes and we'll pick it up next week. This is one of the most fascinating subjects to me. And I don't know, in looking at it from all kinds of different angles, it's amazing that just about every doctrine, the power of God, the anointing of God, God doing things from the realm of the unseen to the seen, the supernatural of God, the protocol of God, how God operates. Did you know God has his own protocol? It's really cool if you figure that out. It'll really help you get your prayers answered a little better. But he has a way of doing things. He has a protocol. Now, here in Luke chapter 1, this is the story of in, the incarnation. And let me just say this because I know that uh, a lot of you have Catholic background and and in, in Catholic doctrine, and you, you know, you've got to give me a little liberty. I preach in some of these nations that are totally Catholic. But in Catholic doctrine, they believe that Mary was immaculately conceived as Jesus was, and they have they have given the, her mother Saint Anne. They have given her a special uh, canonization as a saint, Saint Anne. Now, the problem, we, the problem is with that is we don't accept that because it's not scriptural. Secondly, we don't accept it because what we do see in the scripture says everything but that. Actually, it says just the opposite of that. So for whatever reason, this fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 where God said, now the seed of the woman. Notice he did not say anything about the seed of the man because the seed of the man is what carried the tainting of the human family because it's in the seed of the man that the blood is determined. So we know just by the genetics of humanity that it's the blood that's tainted and it took the blood to redeem us. You got a blood transfusion when you got saved whether you realize it or not, whether it affected you physically or not, you got a blood transfusion. Amen? Now, the things that determined, this is an amazing study. The things that determined who this woman would be, she's chosen. Did you know that? God's just not shaking a dice and looking for someone. Well, there's someone, let's try to know. No, this is from, the, from before the earth was created, just like you've been chosen. See, that's, a lot of people, they'll look at Mary, they'll look at Moses, they'll look at people, they'll oh, chosen, chosen, chosen. Then they look at themselves. No, let me tell you, you're just as chosen as they are. The difference between you and them, they responded to it wholly. They responded to it fully. So she was chosen. So as she was prepared, she was prepared generationally in which both sides of her family were of the seed of David, which made her the perfect candidate 
And I remember what we talked about, about it being an issue of blood. An issue of blood. And keeping the human bloodline in a place of purity so that where the seed of the woman and the seed of God came together, the blood that dwelt in that individual's veins could bring redemption to the earth. So he finds Mary. She's the one. She's the one chosen. At that time, now notice how, how, verse 26, how, how, how it starts. Let me get over here. Now note, and you know, this is just like God to make it precise. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. This is verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. Was sent from God. Notice the terminology, from God. Everybody say, from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. The word virgin means pure by choice. To a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Now that term of the house of David carries that, that dualistic law of the Greek language where a word can have a dual meaning, have two meanings. You say, what do you mean by that? Let me show you again. Let me get over here and see it again. And the virgin's name was Mary, Joseph of the house of David. The reference is to both. Both were of the house of David. Both had remained in that lineage that had that human DNA that was not tainted by all the garbage that had gone on on the earth. So God had his virgin. Let's go back real quick, just for a second, just, just in your mind, just go back, just for a second, just for a second, just for a second. This will help you. Thank you, he's so smart. Let's go back to Genesis 22, just for a second. You don't have to go there, just in your mind. Genesis 22, what happened? God shall provide a lamb. God shall provide a lamb. So we've looked at that from so many angles. And from our angle of faith, we saw a ram born. How many years before? I don't know how many years before, but it was born. But that was a ram who was what? Chosen. Chosen. So God's hand was on the ram. Tell the ram got into Abraham's hand. But it was chosen. You say, now you're talking about a person. Did you know in our dispensation, all men, all women are chosen in Christ? And when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you step into that predestined place of being chosen to be conformed into the image of Christ. It's not some goofy predestination. Well, I was supposed to have a wreck yesterday or this happened and God had put... No, that's not what it is at all. It's that God has a predetermined plan for ever whosoever that will call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and dare to believe God that they are chosen and God has a specific will and he's chosen them to do something specific on the earth. That's every one of you. So, Pastor, that's just... you. No, it's not just me. It's every person in the body, the body. What in your body is not chosen to help give you health and vitality? Well, I don't need my lung no more. We'll just hack it up and throw it on a, you know, on a scrap heap. You need everything, everything alive, everything chosen, everything in your body. That We are the body of Christ. You are chosen to be who you are, to be in your place, to be the person that you are. And then as you seek God, just like Mary, you say, well, Mary was special. No, you're special too. You're chosen. 
You know, the Bible calls us a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Now notice this, and we'll close with this. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that are highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. That's probably pretty awesome. Bible theologians say she was between 14 and 17. I tend to lean more towards 17, probably. Closer to being a grown woman. This awesome scene, Gabriel's an archangel. This ain't some little fat baby flying around with toilet paper in his hand, you know. This is an archangel. He's standing up there over her, I guarantee you. And he's speaking these words of God. Hail, thou that are highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Could you imagine that? And just like all human beings do because of our fallen nature, what do we do? We question it. See, God is, God is saying to her, this is how I see you. This is how I see you. I've prepared you. I've chosen you. This is how I see you. Hail, thou that are highly favored. Blessed art thou among women. The Lord is with thee. Woohoo! See, but God does the same thing with us. This is how I see you. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're the joy of God's heart. You're the prosperity of God. Uh, you're the righteousness of God. You're the, you're, you're, the, you're the citizens of His city and the children of His heart. Amen. Amen. See, my said, well, I know, but I need 26 bucks. <laughs> your need will always rob you of the joy of revelation when it comes to you. You've got to get your mind off of that and realize what God is showing me and teaching me and unveiling to me is worth a whole lot more than $26. But see, that's what the enemy will do. He'll try to get your mind on something that you think you may need or want or I don't know why God's not answering my prayer. Tell the devil to shut up and leave you alone. Notice her response. We'll close with this. Here's her response. When she saw him, she was troubled. Why? If you're, if you're immaculately conceived, you shouldn't have any trouble with God speaking. You should be used to it. But no, she wasn't. She's just like us. We're the same way. When God looks at you and says, you're healed and your body's racked with pain, you, you're troubled at that saying. Now notice what happened next. He said, it's uh, troubled at the saying and did what? Cast in her mind. Cast in her mind. What manner of salutation this should be. And the first part of the next verse, this will help you. And the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary. So now wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the same protocol many times we go through when God begins to reveal and unveil how he sees us. He doesn't see you as a poor old sinner saved by grace. He sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ. When it comes to healing, he sees you as the healed of God and if there are symptoms in your body saying you're not the heel of God, they are trespassing. Amen, that's right. And I don't say this to, 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 to try to malign anybody or to try to discourage anybody, but they trespass as long as you allow them. You say, what do you mean as long as I allow them? As long as you let them be there, they'll be there. But if you begin even in the mind, I like Paul said this one time standing before King Agrippa. He said, I think myself happy. 
I think myself happy. Did you know I do that all the time? I think myself happy. I think myself happy. I think myself prosperous. I think myself prosperous. I think myself healed. What are you thinking about? (laughs) Amen. I think myself happy. I think myself healed. I think myself righteous. I think myself full of joy. Yay. Everybody say yay. Yay, Yay, God. I mean, whatever it takes. She was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind. There is a resistance to God in every person. That's the human part of your fallen nature. It's on the inside of you. And even though you're born again, born of the Spirit now, that resistance remains in your flesh and in your mind. And you've got to recognize it as an enemy. If you do not recognize it as an enemy, it'll become your master. And the problem with a lot of Christians in this day and hour, when we need them to be spiritual, they're being ruled by their flesh and their mind. Amen? And you know, the church has been lured by just about everything that you can throw at it, from the carnival atmosphere to user-friendly, seeker-friendly, to to, to people making piles of money, to people stealing piles of money, you name it. Every kind of drama, every kind of crazy thing that can happen. It's about time that some people settle down into the Word of God, settle down into the Spirit, settle down into their redemptive rights, begin to think themselves the way the Word of God says about them, and begin to respond to the Word and not all the craziness going on in the world putting our effort into life where there's substance and not death where there's not substance. Into light where there's substance and not darkness where there's not substance. Say, man, I got some darkness in my life. Speak the light. Let there be light. It may be by his stripes I'm healed or my God supplies all of my need. Well, thank you, Father, for the knowledge of your will in all spiritual understanding so I can walk worthy of you, Lord. These wonderful paths of righteousness which God puts us upon, which on that path of righteousness... See, she's Mary, to, for, for, for whatever she was at that age and at that place in time, she was on a path of righteousness because God had chosen her. That was unique to that covenant, but it is not unique to this covenant because in Christ, God loved the world. T.L. Osborne said God put his arm around the earth and hugged it in Christ. That's what he did. So he looks at the world and says, redeemed! And men live out their lives and never confess him as Lord. God never created hell for man. The Bible said it had to be enlarged. God did not enlarge it. You go study your Bible. It enlarged itself because the iniquity that was in the adversary got into man and hell said, ha, ha, ha. And that iniquity has to go to a place of eternal separation from God. Thank God he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. These are all redemptive rights. They belong to us. They're ours. They're ours. Listen, I love our our nation. This is greater than the Constitution. You say, why? Because the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, that can all be challenged and that can all fall. This Heaven and earth can pass away. But my word will never pass away. The flower fadeth, the grass withereth, but the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord will stand forever.
in her resistance, and we'll see this next week, there had to come from this angel a response to this resistance in Mary. Because she's resistant. She's like, who are you? Say what? You know? So that re- then in her mind, what's the first thing that showed up? When how God saw her and the plan of God started to be revealed, what's the first thing that showed up? Fear. Same thing happens to every one of us. You press into God a little bit. You start praying. You start making a decision. I'm going to put my faith on this. I'm going to put my faith on that. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to, look, I'm going to seek the will of God in my life. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, the adversary, he'll come to your mind. He'll get you to try and figure it out. Boy, do I ever remember those days of how in the world am I going to live? How am I going to make a living? How am I going to live on this earth? I mean, this pre- are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Going out and preaching? But see, if God chooses you, and if God calls you, and you, 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 you probably don't, none of you probably have a, I know several of you are in ministry, but for the most part, most people are not called into the five-fold ministry, but you're, that doesn't mean you're not called. You're called to be a witness. You're called to walk by faith. Uh, you're called to be a bear. Some of the greatest miracles we saw in the book of Acts took place in people's lives who were just servants of God. One of the greatest anointings I ever sat in my life, I can remember to this day as a child was Catherine Kuhlman. She never claimed to, to stand in any office of ministry. She called herself the handmaiden of the Lord. Wow. We, we, we get to interact and live out the rest of our lives interacting with this God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and chose the whole world in himself through redemption. To where a man's name or a woman's name is pinned in blood in the Lamb's book of life till the day they die. They have an entire lifetime to make him Lord and make him Savior. That was never so real to me as last week. In a friend's hospital room. I mean in the last breath of his life to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. And see the peace of God sweep into that room and touch that family and see the relief come upon them. And just two hours later, they were in heaven. That's the day we're living in. And the good news is, we're on the front side of all this. We said it on Sunday. We found what everybody's looking for. So if you know anybody searching, just show them what you found. And I guarantee you, they'll say the same thing. That's what I've been looking for. How many of when you found Jesus, you said, that's what I've been looking for. <laughs> that's what I've been looking for right there. Yes, sir. That's what I'm looking for. Glory to God. Lift your hands up. Play us something there, Brother Frank. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Who you are, what you've done is beyond our mind's capacity to try and explain or understand. But we know in our hearts beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're such a good God and we can trust in you. You are faithful. Oh, you're faithful. 
You're faithful. You're working. You're working. You're so kind. So loving. Lord, and as we leave to part tonight, we thank you, Father, that these words we speak are not vain repetition of man's spiritual ignorance, but it is the releasing of our faith, the speaking of your word. You said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. We declare Psalms 91. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Thank you for sparing Julio and Dana. Thank you that they recover quickly, that every need is met. For others, Father, that are traveling, we thank you that your protection and your safety is there. You bless our going out. You bless our coming in. We stand against the traps, the strategies of the devil. With all the authority we can muster in the region where you've placed us, we say, devil, your assignment has been canceled. Death, you're not welcome here any longer. Father, we thank you. That authority takes hold. And as we resist the devil, he must run and start terror. In our travels, in the righteous labor of our hand, in our witness, in our fellowship, we declare your protection and your safety. Fathers, we move forward toward the fall and our fall harvest. Thank you for, a ga for gaining a momentum in the Spirit. As we know, Father, revival fires are burning. Awakenings are taking place. There's a stirring in the Spirit and a refreshing from God. Thank you as we leave today. We leave walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We leave walking in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we are covered by the blood, empowered by the word, yes, shout it out, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.